What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode from Bo from Boys and Men. I'm your host, Terry Mr. King, and I am excited for today's episode. I actually got uh, um, a lady that's real dear to my heart, and especially in the last couple of years, she has helped me through a lot of my my uh, emotional and physical and like mental struggles that I've been having over my 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 life. So I am really excited for have her on this episode. I'm allow her to introduce herself. Hello. So my name is Michelle DeRochers, and I am a um, licensed mental health counselor. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Miss uh, Doctor Michelle, I call her Doc all the time. So let y'all know through the whole episode, I'm gonna refer to her as Doc. So if y'all have a question, who is Doc? Who's I'm talking about with Doc? It's, <laughs> it's obviously Miss Michelle. How do you get into uh, to becoming a therapist? How did that journey begin? Such a good, it's a long journey, actually. So I grew up with um, childhood trauma. I just had parents that I didn't know my dad, really, and my mm. mom just wasn't, you know, she was dealing with her own stuff. So I don't want to throw my mom under the bus, but because I do love her, but she really, really struggled with some things in her life. And when you have trauma, it's, it goes on to your children, whether you want it to or not. Mm. And so I found myself in the military because I wanted to get away from my mother <laughs> and my, <laughs> my life back home. And um, I realized I had no idea how to communicate. I didn't know how to express myself. I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. I didn't, I didn't know how to have relationships. At work, I excelled, but in my personal life, I was failing miserably. Yes. And so after a really bad divorce, um, I decided that I wanted to go back to school and change my career path. So I was a medical service corps officer in the Air Force. Yeah. yeah. Navy, Navy's better. Doc. Navy's oh, better. I mess with y'all. Y'all the smartest ones because yeah. y'all get paid better. We do. Well, we don't necessarily get paid better, but we definitely got some better quality of life. Gotta exactly. give you that. <laughs> exactly. It was definitely the smart choice. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I went in the Air Force because they stuck with me as I was getting my green card. Yeah, that's a that's a story for another day. What? But anyway, <laughs> so um, where was I at? Um, I just got done with the divorce. Yeah, so I had I decided to go back to school. So I was a, I have a master's in healthcare administration, and then I decided to get my master's in mental health counseling because I just really really wanted to help kids overcome what what I experienced to learn how to communicate and that they have worth. Like I didn't think I was worth anything. So that's why I'm a therapist, to give back. And I had to do a lot of work to get there to be able to give back. Ooh. Yeah. See, and I'm one of them kids that you helped. Yeah. <laughs> so I thank you for the – I had to say thank you to for the divorce for you so that you started on your journey because mm -hmm. if it wasn't for you, uh, I, I'll probably be <laughs> – I would have found another therapist, but there's no other therapist like you, Doc. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. It's it's really, you know, the um, with therapy, the therapeutic relationship is the most important part. And yeah. a lot of people quit therapy because they just don't Mesh. connect. You know, they it's like any relationship. You yeah. know, if you're not connected or you don't 
see that this person is there for you, then you're probably going to have a bad taste in your mouth and decide, I'm not doing this anymore. So you did the work. I didn't do the work for you. I just handed you the tools. And yeah. <laughs> it's all about, I think therapy truly boils down to having new information that we didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you, during the therapy sessions, I have been able to un, how I put it, I can be able to flip the page and see it Mm-hmm. And different perspectives, and get a better understanding not just of the other person but myself. Mm-hmm. And people, people, some people have like this weird thought when it comes like the therapy. It's like, oh, it's therapy is like it's something terrible and bad. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about that. What is therapy in general? What is oh, what is therapy? Well, it depends. Yeah. So, for some, some like. I think that there's a difference between the social worker world and uh, the mental health counselor world, although sometimes we we come together and pretty much end up doing very similar things. But from a social worker perspective, from what I'm – I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble saying this, but (laughs) it feels like they they want to help direct people to community resources and tools and – and then whereas I think most mental health LMHCs, we tend to want to hand show you new tools. Like, like for me, it was all about what's in your toolbox, yeah, right? I remember that. I remember we that. talked about the toolbox early on, right? That was, that was like my one of my favorite, uh, I think that was like our first second or first, first couple yeah. sessions, we were building up my toolbox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times we're going through life and we just don't have the tools that we need to be able to understand our situation, understand ourselves. Why am I reacting this way? Why am I responding to life this way? And so if we have the appropriate tools, just like if you're going to build, you know, a cabinet, right? And you don't have a saw and you got to cut this wood. You can't build a saw. You're going to get frustrated and be like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're going to, you know, throw it up. But if you have the right tools and you've been shown how to use the tools, then you can navigate life a little bit easier. Why do you think so many people got a fear of therapy, though? Well, because you're asked to explore the worst moments of your life. You know, we spend a lot of time stuffing, or depending on how you deal with things, you know, and and we don't want it to look like... People think that there's a microscope on you and you have to figure out, well, what did I do? And I'm, you know, you're already feeling like a bad person yeah. usually, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, well, I don't want anybody to tell me I'm bad and I don't want anybody to, to point out what I'm doing wrong. And, know. you know, it's not about that. It's about taking a step back and looking like, well, this obviously isn't working for me, right? <laughs> I have this hurt and I have this pain. Yeah. And so... um and then we just navigate, well, how do we manage that pain? How do we look at things differently so that we can overcome it? We can move past it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's really kind of spot on. Because my fear at first was I was pointing to, well, it wasn't really a fear. It was like my tactic was I was going to point the blame at everybody else but the person that, truly is to blame for anything I do and everything I that happened to me, which mm-hmm. is myself. And then I finally took took responsibility for me. Mm-hmm. And then I finally 
Thanks for the VA for the one thing they actually did. That was good. <laughs> they got me a counselor, which was you, and mm-hmm. it been I've been unraveling everything ever since. Yeah. yeah. Good breakthrough note. Just just so you know, uh, my sister apologized to me. <laughs> uh, she's like, she give me a second chance. I don't know how to actually answer that question because low key how she wrote it. I just I just left it read, mm-hmm. but she been talking to me more. So that is good. Yeah. That's good. You just gotta. Take time. <laughs> take, well, we um, we take things. Somebody um, told me probably one of the wisest words I've ever heard. And at first I was like, what, what the heck does that mean? And, um, and they told me that life is a personal journey, but the key is to not take it personally. And so we live in a very, very broken world where people are hurt, yeah. you know, and broken people break people, hurt yeah. people hurt people, and healed people help people. You know, and so um, what we do, we take things very, very personally, not realizing somebody else is just working through their own pain. You know, and we don't always take that into perspective because when we're hurt, you know, we walk around. It's like, you know, they're emotional pain, but but we have these wounds that sometimes they're, you know, gaping wounds, you know, and. And people just know exactly where to, uh, where to, where to touch. And um, the one thing I've noticed in my own journey of healing is that the more I heal these wounds, mm-hmm. like when things happen, there, there's nothing for it to stick to. Yeah. So the more I heal my wounds, there's nothing for it to stick to. So a situation I would have been in five years ago, I look at it like, oh wow, that's unfortunate. You know, but, you know, five years ago, I would have been, you know, yeah. on the floor crying, maybe curled up in the fetal position. I don't know. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that, but, don't worry. you know, I could have been. I've been, there. Happened. I've been yeah. there before, Doc. Don't worry. Yeah. I've I, I done, done all, all of the All of that. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I can see the therapy has helped me not just in my personal life, my business life as well, too. Mm-hmm. Because how I would have reacted back in the day when it business with certain people mm-hmm. I, I would have blew up if someone showed didn't show up that told me they for sure i'm mm-hmm. just like oh, blah, blah. but now i'm like more understand i was like something else could happen i'm like i'm more calm cool i was like man mm-hmm. yeah this is part of my my journey my life and also a way for me to give back they yeah they want to be a part of it but they can't be a part of it the same way i expect them to be a part of it i learned mm-hmm. uh through i think my first or second session was talking about expectations for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have so many different expectations for them, these other people, and once I just like you know what, clear out the expectations. I was like, man, even though it may have fell through this time, don't mean to keep trying. I understand they got other stuff going on, but whenever they were allowed to be here, I welcome them with open arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so uh. What are people think? Because I see like it's become more of a, a fad and everything. A lot of the younger people mm-hmm. on social media is like, yeah, therapy, therapy, healing, healing. I'm proud of them doing that. Mm-hmm. But I see like a lot of this next generation got a lot of trauma that we never even seen before. Mm-hmm. That's a very I, true statement. How, mm-hmm. how should we approach? them because it's kind of hard to even talk to them it is really hard so we i i believe in generational trauma yeah and i was really um 
kind of surprised. I, I didn't fully understand it, I guess. But even going back and looking at my own family, the reason my mom struggled is because her mom struggled, yeah. you know, and her dad struggled. And so you have this generational trauma. And the further we get down in the generations, the less engaged parents are with their kids, which then creates yeah. attachment injuries. And so like I'm I'm currently working on my PhD in developmental psychology, and that's been the most thing that I, I just keep going back to that is that developmental trauma. And so you can have developmental trauma as early as conception. What? Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, and then, you know, through like, say, you know, you have a difficult pregnancy and, you know, you're worried throughout your pregnancy. Well, all of those stress hormones that the mom is carrying is going directly to the baby. And so as your brain is forming in utero, you are now developing negative cognition. So negative cognitions are just basically negative thoughts about yourself. And so if your mom's always stressed and anxious, then you're going to think, well, I'm supposed to be stressed and anxious. And now you have these added stress hormones throughout your development. And as your brain is developing, you're missing things. You know, and so now we're, we have each generation, I feel like, has a little bit a, a increased degree of attachment injury. Yeah. And so, and then you look at how we view relationships. And so you got, you have these children that are being raised in a world where relationships are very distorted. Oh, yeah. You know, and now we have technology that you don't even have to be in a room with somebody. You, there's this new technology where you can get a virtual hug. You know, so oh, yeah. I'm like, I seen that the other day. Yeah, like, so like 30 years from now, are we even going to need to be face to face? Face to face, and you know, we were created for touch and yeah. for connection, and um, and technology is is the more it advances, the less likely you need human connection, and I think ultimately that's going to really be the demise of our of our society and our children is because they they need that yeah. you know they're still biological beings they need connection and they need Ooh. attention and they need um to be validated and loved and to be encouraged and you know we're not doing that as yeah. a society we're not doing that for our children yeah you know and i i have been, i have been guilty of that uh on both sides because mm-hmm. <laughs> Me and my mom relationship is, it was like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. how I say. Right now, it's on a good little path, but uh, I didn't have my father. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have my father growing mm-hmm. up. And when you don't have that male validation, yeah. you can have the best mom in the world, but if you don't yeah. have male validation, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't absorb it because moms are meant for that nurturing yeah. and. You know, it's that male validation that's really required. And I felt like I always had to test mm-hmm. my manhood on mm-hmm. different levels, so like in different ways. Mm-hmm. And and then I became a father. And then it, mm-hmm. it, it it's still something I struggle with. Cause I was like, yeah, I know I may have my grandfather there, mm-hmm. but I still don't know exactly what a father is. And like, it's something I struggle with for a long time because all I knew from my grandfather was he he worked three jobs came home slept ate mm-hmm. and he go back to work and then I see him he, he in the time he could spend with us and do everything mm-hmm. stuff he did it but I was like dang this I don't want that to be my version of 
what of my fatherhood is because I felt like I missed a lot of yeah. time and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's incredible that yeah. you're able to recognize it because yeah. a lot of people don't. They do what they know and they do yeah. what they see. And then if you look at, you know, if you don't have a male figure in the home, where are you getting this information from as a child? Yeah. Are you getting it from TV and movies? And exactly. I mean, I don't even know what's in video games anymore, so I'm not going to talk about yeah, that. But video games got. So, all over but but in society, do you have? Are there any examples of really solid role models and relationships and how to communicate and how to parent? Yeah. You know, we really don't. You you look for it on, like you said, television, mm-hmm. and then you try to use that to parent. Mm-hmm. And some of it be legit, and some of it be fiction. So mm-hmm. you're tying in so many different things. Yeah, and it's like, like how you said it's. You try to tie it in mm-hmm. to your life, but that's not your mm-hmm. circumstances. And yeah, we do yeah. what we know. We do what we've. Yeah. You know, like if you ever watch a kid, like a little kid especially, they are taking everything in, Absorbing and they're watching it, and they're looking at it, and um, and I think again, going back to technology, you know, kids are absorbing all of this adult content. Super fast. Super fast. So they're taking all this information in, and they're, but when they process it, they're not processing it like an adult. They're processing it like a kid. But then they're really good at mimicking because that's how yeah. kids learn. They learn by mimicking, right? Yeah. And so they mimic what the output should look like. And as adults, we're looking at the kids and we're like, oh, they got it. We think So we have a completely different understanding of a child's world than the, than the child has. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I ain't never think of it like that. Yeah, because they don't process. It looks like they're processing it like an adult, but they don't have the mental capacity to it. Our brain's not even fully developed. You're not even using your prefrontal cortex the way it should be until you're like 27. So we we assume we assume the kids get it and they understand it, but they don't. You know, not that they're. It's not that saying that they're not intellectual and they're not you know smart and they are. They're just. Yeah. They're just not processing. They're not. They're just not grown to that point yet. Yeah. Because yeah, especially with my son, he, he, I started peep. I started watching stuff, and mm-hmm. he does mimic me a lot now. And I was talking to my one of my friends this week. I was like, you know what's so funny? If you look at it, if a if their father is like a a banker or a lawyer or whatever profession mm-hmm. he is. More likely, that son's gonna be that same profession, mm-hmm. and they was like, they they looked at it, it was like, wait, that's true. I was mm-hmm. like, think about it, because sometimes they look up to the father, and then they they watch this because the father's supposed to be able to teach them how the world operates. Mm-hmm. Actually, parents in general, mm-hmm. how the world operates, how to understand the world, and when you look at your father, this is how he made it understood. No, you're like, okay, this is what I got to do to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we had a whole, like, breakdown of discussions. And I was like, now think about the person that doesn't have the father there. He got to figure out on his own how the world operates and how the world works. And it's scary to mm-hmm. actually trying to figure that out. Because mm-hmm. that's something I struggled with for the longest, trying to figure out how the world works in my mm-hmm. own perspective. Because I had no 
I can't say I have parents, the parental figures that got didn't guide me because they did. Mm-hmm. But my, I feel like if my father not being there made me have to go find it out on my own versus listen to what mm-hmm. they had to tell me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And our brains are additive, so we don't yeah. ever really, unless you have a brain injury, you don't really lose anything. And so as we go through life and we absorb new content and new information, then we're able to look, have a different outlook or a different perspective. And so if you don't ever go outside of your box or you're not around other people and you're just around like-minded people, then you don't, you can't see life differently because there's no new added added information. Don't you think the, the school systems should take some measures towards that now, though? Well. Because I'm looking at it, like you said earlier, that trauma starts could start early on. And if they actually put, because I think about my guidance counselors in high school, mm-hmm. they really weren't good. Gui- I'm not saying they weren't good guidance counselors, but as far as what. Well, they, the school yeah. is is limited in its resources yeah. for one. Yeah. You know, and you usually have one, you know, one teacher to how many kids. So there's only yeah. so much a teacher can do. They're frustrated. They're burnt out. Um, I don't think we teach appropriate life skills in school. No. I think that we, <laughs> especially in Florida, I don't know what it's like in other areas, but, you know, this is primarily where my kids went to school was here. And so I felt like they were usually teaching for to pass a test and to get good scores so they would get good funding, you know. And so I've never really been happy with that concept. Um, But schools, like right now for – I do work – I work with – my clients are age 3 to 63 as my client base, right? But a lot of the teenagers that I work with in middle school, it's like – it seems like every three or four years it gets a little bit younger. And um, but it's like going to going to school, especially public school for a lot of these kids is like going into a war zone. Yeah. You know, they're being um, constantly bullied, ridiculed, picked on. If you don't look this way, if you don't act this way, the the pressures now even with the the, the movement for being non-binary, like yeah. like our kids don't they don't understand what that means. Yeah. They just want to fit in. And that's why they I'm, just want to be happy. They just want to be validated, yeah. right? And so, um, and if they're not getting that at home, then they're going to be seeking it out at at school, and they they're not held accountable. No. You know, I have to wait for this area. This is the only part about. <laughs> yeah. This is a long. This is the long one. They have like three or four different mm-hmm. ones. Okay, but now, yeah, because uh, I've seen a lot of kids, like, when different hashtags, like, with, with Black Lives Matters and with, mm-hmm. like, the Asian hate, everything else, I've, I always felt like they're joining this just because it's the hot thing at the moment versus actually understanding, like, what it means but some of them do not i'm not saying all of them yeah i think you're right some get it um but it was i have to admit it was nice seeing a generation step up and (laughs) and want to defend what's right and they want to defend human rights and so i do think that this especially the emerging adults i don't know about the younger kids but i was really impressed with how the emerging adults really stood up for people you know for black lives matter and for 
you know, just in general, just teaching decency, human decency. So that was really nice to see because I can tell you where I grew up in my generation. Yeah. No. I no. Know. It was it was it was way worse back then. I, no. I, I already know. Yeah. Like my dad was like literally Archie Bunker. Like he he could. He was like the. He was bad. He was really bad. Mm-hmm. But I know uh, when it came down to. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of these kids now. Do you feel like they they need to be taught more self love? Oh, versus, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I look at them like you're saying they look for validation, mm-hmm. but it took me a long time to understand this too. That the most validating thing voice you can hear is your own validating yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you're absolutely correct. And I think, though, that when you're a kid, even a lot of adults don't get it. Yeah. You know, and um, some of the stuff I talk about in my with my clients is understanding that we all have parts. Yeah. Right? There's parts of us. Some parts of us are very much adult and understand it. But when you have any type of trauma, especially developmental trauma, you can get stuck at that age, whatever mm-hmm. that trauma happens. So say how many parents, how many families are um, have two parents in the household that were, like, married. Like, basically, what's the divorce rate? Like, right now, the divorce rate is, like, 49% of the population is married, and that's probably not even their first marriage, right? So you have all these blended families, or you have families with one parent in the household. And and so any time a divorce for a child is extremely traumatic, you know, and so, like, parents, by the time they get to the stage where they're going through a divorce, they've worked through a lot of it. Sometimes they're hurt. It depends on whether or not you got a narcissistic ego injury involved in the divorce. But nine times out of ten, the parents are like, we're good. We're, we're ready to go. We've done all that we can do. And now the kids are like, well, what about me? Like, what happened? What, what happened? Like, a lot of times, they're, some are aware. Like, unfortunately, my son knew I was getting a divorce long before I did. But, um, you know, like he saw the writing on the wall and, but they take it personally. Yeah. Like, like, they, like you, they do, they feel like, well, if I had been better behaved or, you know, if, because a lot of times when couples get to that point and they do start really fighting, they're usually fighting over parenting because the children become the pawns. They become property. Property. Yeah, they're not property. They're they're, they're people. people. They're your children, you know. But that trauma is very, very um, real for a a kid. Yeah. I forgot. I have no idea where we were going with all of that. I lost my... I think we were talking about self-love. (laughs) Self-love, yes. Yes. No, because I watched in the video... I haven't turned on TV for like a quick moment last night. Mm -hmm. And it was a movie. uh, It was like, I think it was British or Australian or something. I don't know. It was a foreign movie. But uh, he's trying to reconnect with his son and mm-hmm. everything. And so I was mad because he's like, yo, you left me with my mom. And my mom don't love me and everything. And he's like, I wanted to go with you. And I said, like, a lot of, I, th- I started thinking about it. In a lot of societies, especially in Florida, nine times out of ten, they end up going with the mother if they actually mm-hmm. come to the trial and everything. But I think about how many kids don't want to be with a mother, would rather be with a father, mm-hmm. and they they have no say so. So I feel like the traumatic. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's it's a ugh. Well, nobody wins in a divorce. No, nobody. No matter who gets custody, who doesn't, the kids, what they do, like nobody wins in a divorce. 
Why why is why is the divorce rate so high these days? Do you I th- well, I mean, I don't I haven't done any full research on it, but I think it really goes back to what I was saying earlier about the generational trauma. Yeah. You know, you have um, you know, back in the day, people got married not because they were in love, they got married because it was a transaction and they figured out ways to make it work. They worked towards yeah. a partnership and then they typically did stay together. Um, and so but now people have such attachment injuries, and when you have an insecure attachment, it's very difficult to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. You know, you start, um, you know, it's called threat security. So if you're in a relationship and you're not, and that other person is, is you're triggering each other's insecurities or you're triggering, you know, trauma, basically. Trauma bonding is what happens a lot of times. Um, you You get insecure within the relationship and then you start doing things that you want the relationship to be good but then you do all this self-sabotaging stuff it's called threat security yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. your security is being threatened and you don't (laughs) and then if again it goes back to the toolbox right so if nobody gave you the toolbox on how to communicate how do i regulate my emotion how do i not take it personally how Hmm. you know how do i um work through this insecure attachment you know if you don't have the tools then you can't you can't really work through it if no got the tools Mm -hmm. interesting interesting interesting. and we're we're not taught the tools i wasn't taught the tools anywhere until i was in school so and like i i believe that's a traumatic like like marriage now is like a traumatic thing for guys Mm -hmm. especially because we see over like even like before now when when a divorce happened they look at it as like oh the woman get everything mm-hmm. and, and it's the guy's fault and the guy's fault and then it's not true and then we don't it's like that's why i'm so scared to get married because mm-hmm. i'm scared that at the end of the day she can take everything i got that's why i say i'm gonna get a prenup if i ever get married mm-hmm. and be like make sure that whatever you came in with is what you leave with but mm-hmm. it's scary because like we got to you got, I, most guys think the same way how I think. Mm-hmm. I got to already go in here thinking like, hey, if I do decide to get married with you, it's already a prenuptial. Cause yeah, yeah. I don't. I honestly don't blame you. Yeah. I think that um, we we don't practice for our our kids, especially like like a lot of kids. By the time they've graduated high school, by the time they're out of middle school, actually, they have already experienced like four or five divorces yeah you know because that's how they that's how they relate to it that's the all the emotion that they have invested like we don't date to meet the person that we want to spend our life with we practice marriage but we really are practicing divorce you know we we have these relationships and we interact and we treat the person that we're in the relationship with as if it's our spouse but they haven't earned that right and then the relationship falls apart and it's really you're experiencing a divorce a lot of times emotionally. Yeah. You know, so we don't, we're not dating to be married forever. We're pretending to be married and practicing divorce. (laughs) Yeah. And I think ultimately that is going to really, really hinder because our society, because again, it goes back to we're reinforcing those, those attachment injuries. We're not given there. Where's the opportunity to heal if you keep experiencing divorce after divorce after divorce, you know? Yeah. And I, I find it really funny 
because well, I ain't saying it's funny, but mm-hmm. especially with like I see a lot of these women out here that do do like they hold on to like all right, they put you in the same book as the last person they date. Yep. And yet you haven't even I'm like you don't even know me to the extent of yep. you can put me in that boat yet. But it's like if one thing remind them of that person is already a red flag and they already got you chalked up as this type of person. Mm-hmm. And it's like they come in there with expectations. Mm-hmm. Go back to expectations. Yep. They come in there with expectations of it being the same thing like this and a third versus just letting it fully develop on its own. And mm-hmm. it comes, well, yeah. We punish people for other people's stuff. For other people's stuff. And I think a lot of that goes back to. Again, my background's um, child development, so I'm going to keep going back to child development. But um, if we don't have, if our primary caregivers aren't engaged and we don't have that secure attachment, we bring people into our lives to help make up for that, to help fix what was broken from our primary caregivers. And that could be a, a, a mom, dad, grandparent, you know. So if we don't have that a healthy attachment from zero to three, then, then we're constantly seeking that. We're constantly seeking to fix that. And so we tend in our personal relationships, then as we get older, we draw in people that either resemble one way or another that primary caregiver that has the biggest deficit. So, like, I would draw in men that that resembled my dad, mostly my stepdad, because he was the primary person raising me. So, and that wasn't good. Um, so... <laughs> So I would draw in men thinking that if I get this right, it'll fix my early childhood developmental trauma, and you can't. But we, the good news with that, though, is that we have everything within ourselves to truly heal from trauma. We just don't know it. A lot of people just don't know it, right? And yeah. it's about, again, tools and awareness and understanding your parts and... and um. Which we can do a whole podcast on parts, but, um, and so what, but what happens in relationships is we begin because we're practicing for divorce. We're not dating for, for our forever person. We tend to leave the last, where we left the last relationship is where we tend to pick up and start with this relationship with the next relationship. Right. So say you and I, we just, we, we can't do this because we're, yeah. <laughs> we have a different relationship, but yeah. say we just meet and we start hanging out. Right. Yeah. And now you remind me of my past relationships. So, you picked up, I, so picked. I have this expectation, one, that we're going to communicate as if we were married because I was married for so long. Yeah. So I don't even realize I'm doing it. I have this subconscious, this subconscious expectation that you're going to uh, check in with me and you're going to talk to me and you're going to do all the things that I would want my my husband to do. And um, and we don't that relationship hasn't even been established. We don't even know each other like that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then if I have any of these hurts that because I didn't take the time to heal and I just pick up where I left off the last one. Now you're bringing that into the I'm bringing one. all that into it. So you look at me the way that he looked at me and I'm going to be oh. like, well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> because I didn't take the time to heal. And a lot of times we don't do that. And it goes back to we just want to be loved. We just want to be validated. And yeah. if you have an insecure attachment, yeah. 
you're going about it all the wrong way, which then perpetuates and continues to reinforce that insecure attachment. Yeah. Doc, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Does this happen more in a women's standpoint versus men, or is it both on both sides? Oh, it's definitely on both sides. Okay, I'm I'm just looking at it because a lot of, I, I see because basically I, I date women, mm-hmm. so it's most of them come in and like they're they're mostly not healed yet, mm-hmm. and then. They they bring all this like you say baggage and mm-hmm. everything and then I can say guys do the same thing too because I, I I bring baggage but I learned how to mm-hmm. check my baggage at the door and mm-hmm. keep it we, moving. We <laughs> think we think we check our baggage at yeah, the door. We, we pro- yeah, you're right. I probably think I do. We think we do, but our, we are a combination of our past experiences yeah. and our perceptions. And so when we walk into a situation, we are perceiving the situation based on our past experiences. So if you've never experienced a healthy relationship, how do you even know what to look for? Yes, right. Right. So we're a product of our past, and our perceptions of other people are based on our our past. Mm. Dang. So how... the answer to how we get past that really is the only one thing. Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, we have a personal responsibility to heal. You like we it's not our like especially when we've got like childhood trauma. Yeah. That's not our fault that we had childhood trauma. Yeah. That's not our fault that our fathers were not in, yeah. involved in our lives. It's not. Yeah. However, now that you're an adult and you have this awareness and you know that that is hindering your ability to be a healthy, productive member of society and to have a healthy relationship, then ultimately it's your responsibility to seek out the treatment that's needed to not be that, to not be in that situation. Yeah. You know, and um, I was recently watch, uh, reading something on Facebook, and it's a therapy page on Facebook. And they were talking about how, you know, well, if we've experienced all this trauma, we, you know, society should be accommodating to it. No, that's how we got in this place to begin with, because hurt Hurt. people hurt people. Like, we walk around with this emotional pain, and it's like we're vomiting on everybody. And and then we expect them to be okay with it and to do (laughs) something about it. So we, we have to take personal responsibility to heal so we stop hurting other people. Is it our fault? Absolutely not. But it is our responsibility to to heal enough to not hurt somebody else. Ooh, that's yeah, that's a good one. Because I was thinking that too. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. it it was it became my responsibility to heal because mm-hmm. my parental trauma, I didn't want that to spew over into my relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I can I can see exactly where you're coming yeah. from. Now. And, your parental trauma is more likely to impact your personal relationships than it necessarily is with your children. Yeah. It actually does more, you know, because that's how we learn to have relationship yeah. is through those interactions with our parents when we're young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it impacts parenting too, but. Oh, yeah. More so our inter- our intimate relationships. I, I, I can definitely see see that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, 
Doc, you got me over here. I feel like mm -hmm. we're in a the therapy session right now. <laughs> I'm over here just in my mind, just thinking. I know I'm giving you lots of stuff, and I? I know. <laughs> I'm filling up your toolbox. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's, let's touch on the toolbox real quick. Mm -hmm. um, some people are probably trying to figure out, like, what is a toolbox, mm -hmm. especially when it comes down to therapy. Can you explain to them a little bit, like, and not, and we ain't about to go deep into it, but tell them, like, little stuff that toolbox is for. Well, so if you look at a toolbox as in, like, what, it, like, an actual toolbox is, yeah. it's what you carry around to go fix something. Yeah. Like, like you got your hammer, your screwdriver, yeah. all these different things that you might need. Or even like if you don't know anything about tools, like for me, like in my kitchen, like I love to cook. So <laughs> I also have a slight addiction to Pampered Chef, I have to admit. And so, but I have different things for different things that I want to do. And, you know, and so, but I have to be... Um, like if I just get something, I order it and I don't, I didn't read what is it used for? How does it work or whatever? Like I could think I'm using it for something, but I'm using it the wrong way or I'm, you know, using it in different things. And like, we, like if you go back to the original thing with the toolbox, like there's how many different screwdrivers are there? Like there's a lot, right? And so if somebody just hands you a screwdriver, but they didn't explain it or show you how to use it, you're like, okay, well, that's good. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get back to it eventually. <laughs> so having your toolbox, one, is just really understanding what what do I need to be healthy? What do I need to be happy? What do I need to just be at peace? And so, and a lot of that is is how do you, like once the first thing I usually teach people to put in their toolbox is how do I regulate my emotions? Ooh, how do I, how do I do wise mind thinking? Yeah. You know, like how do I take a step back and understand myself and why I'm responding to things? Cause the more I understand how I respond or why I respond that way, then the more understanding I have when that situation happens again. Yeah. Like, did you ever, have you ever seen, like, a grown person have a temper tantrum? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched somebody, like, at the gas station, like, beating the crap out of the the pump because it wasn't working or something like that. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, but, but what that is, is, like, that person has developmental trauma. Uh -oh. So, so they're acting, to me, they look like they were acting four or five, right? Yeah. And so something significant happened to them at four or five, and we get stuck there. And the problem is, is that four-year-old part of us doesn't know, like me, I'm 53. So that four-year-old part of me doesn't know that I am 53, I am capable, and I have all of this, these tools and this information to be able to deal with life and, and the difficulties of life. My four-year-old is in an adult world now and has no clue how to manage it. So I need to give my four-year-old the tools as well. I need to work on incorporating that so that they, so that four-year-old part of me moves and develops to oh. be, so and integrate it. Basically, I'm integrating that back oh. into myself. So, like, did it, that make sense? I'm kind of bouncing yeah, made, around it, a no, little it bit. It made sense, mm -hmm. but, but I had a question now about the trauma. Uh, so. Every age or place we got trauma, do that place always live inside of us? If it doesn't, if it if it gets too fragmented, yeah. um, it's there. It's a part of us, but a lot of times we don't realize it's there. Huh. Like, f um, so we're getting into part stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is parts parts work. So um, we have you have a 
a conscious and a subconscious. Yes, ma'am. Right? Yeah. And then within, when we're in our conscience, like right now we are our adult versions of ourselves because we're not triggering each other. Right? Yeah. So we're regulated. We're happy. We're having fun. You know, this yeah. is good. But <clears throat> if I said something that you could perceive as hurtful, like if I triggered you when we were talking about parenting or whatever, and now you're like, well, now I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm frustrated, but I don't know quite what to do with it, and I, and I just feel young, then that's that's a young part of you, like a oh. a traumatized part, right? Because yeah, I, I just started thinking, like, especially, uh, what's that movie called? Uh, it was a movie where this this guy he had so many different split personalities. Mm-hmm. And he turned into the beast in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I was yeah. thinking, I was like, well, it's not like split personalities. The split personalities, they don't, they're not aware of each other. Like we're really aware of what's going on. We just yeah. don't understand it. Okay. You know. I was trying to figure out was that yeah. sort of similar. So that so that becomes when you have um, when your part becomes fully fragmented. It's no longer a part of yourself. Yeah. It's a completely different part person. Um, that's um, multiple personalities or disassociative identity disorder. But we all have parts within us that aren't fragmented like that. Uh, you know, they might be a little bit fragmented. And if you have really significant trauma, more than likely you have a fragmented or an exiled part that that doesn't know how to integrate with, with you as that overall person. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a better example. Um, I'm getting, I got it. I, I think I got a little bit mm-hmm. of it. But I, I, you can give me a better example because mm-hmm. I'm over here absorbing everything. Yeah. Like, like for me, like one of the things I struggle with is I've been trying to do this diet forever, <laughs> right? So a part of me really wants to do this diet because yeah. I want to be healthy, yeah. and I want to, you know, be there for my grandson. And you know, like I work with kids and I'm rolling around on the floor with these kids, you know, and so. If I'm not taking care of my health, it hinders my ability to do my job that I love. But then there's this other part of me that is still really hurt from my childhood, and I stuff my my feelings with with food. Huh. So so I'll catch myself in the fridge eating something I know I'm not supposed to be eating, but I'm in my feelings, so I keep eating it. And um, and that part of me is sabotaging the part that wants to be healthy. And so we sabotage ourselves like all the time without even fully realizing it. I just had a moment where I realized I was sabotaging myself this today. You would mm-hmm. be so proud of me, Doc. So I'm always proud of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like my mom's favorite kid. Not mm-hmm. to say, I'm not trying to shoot no shots at my mama. You're, you're your mom's <laughs> favorite son. That's what you are. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Well, she tried to claim my son as her son, but mm-hmm. we know who it is. But no, um, I realize when I get upset now. Uh, like stuff I just need to think or just going mm-hmm. I start eating a lot of candy mm-hmm. and I, I was I was upset because something fell through earlier so I was like I was walking around went to one office had to go take care of a meeting right there mm-hmm. next thing you know I realized I grabbed like four pieces of candy I, and I looked at it the only time I actually eat candy is when I'm upset so mm-hmm. I was like, uh. But it, it gives you that um, chocolate, especially but chocolate or sugar, gives yeah. you an endorphin rush, yeah. which mimics that feeling of the, the, the endorphins that we get from just feeling good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
thank God for candy. <laughs> yeah, so we want yeah. we just want a moment where we feel good. Yeah. And we do. We get that for a moment, but it's not long lasting. Yeah. Mhm. It 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 be sad. It's very short lived. Yeah. Mhm. And then I feel miserable the rest of the day as my I don't know cuz I'm like, "Oh, now I can't my taste buds mm-hmm. is all messed up now if I eat anything else cuz I go for sour candy and mm-hmm. it always messes up my taste buds cuz I don't know how to stop when I start eating candy. <laughs> but now that I'm aware of that, I feel like I can do better, dog. Mm-hmm. I feel like but uh, let's see. What else? What else? Oh, we could talk about anything. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I think one of the hardest, one of the main reasons why I think people don't go to therapy, you yeah, asked me this a, question oh, yeah, earlier, yeah, that was a good, I was looking for is it. because um, there's such a lack of trust in the world. And again, yeah. it goes back to that attachment injury. Like yeah. we just don't trust people. Right. Uh, yeah, it's and so, and then you're like, well, how do I trust somebody with the worst moments of my life? You know, like how do I trust them? How are they going to keep it secret? Are they going to hurt me more? So, yeah. so there's that that trust factor. Um, but in therapy, you really just have to trust that therapist enough to help you with what you hand them. Oh. You know, because when you come into therapy, we work on what you're bringing into the session. Like, I don't know what you're like. You know, outside of the session, we just have that that hour together, and so what you bring in is what is what we're able to work on. And so, um, but a lot of people are just really afraid of, of what is it going to feel like? I don't trust people. And then I don't want to relive that. I've done everything that I could to not have to feel this and to live it. I'm fine. I stuffed it away. Well, the thing is, is your body keeps score. So if you have trauma that's unresolved, it's coming out one way or another. It's either coming out in that undeveloped part underdeveloped part that is just wreaking havoc on your life it's coming out in your health it's coming out in how in your career it's it it's coming out you cannot suppress trauma one way or another it's coming out and so why not get ahead of it and being you can control what how it comes out and how we work on it and how dedicated you are to your mental health Mm -hmm. so it's like most people so just to clarify, mm-hmm. so most people will be having like a a stab wound from their from their chest all the way to their stomach and mm-hmm. just put a Band-Aid over it and think it's going to heal. Yep. Versus just trying to, mm-hmm. like the 300 did, they, they forced the people to go through this little one mm-hmm. and they came through. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you, if you are working with a therapist and you're dealing with your trauma, it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. It's uncomfortable for me when I go see my own therapist. I have my own therapist. And I think every good therapist should have a therapist. If they don't, they're not working on their stuff. I'm, I don't a, I'm a friend's therapist who is a social worker. But I think mm-hmm. I don't get paid. So I don't know if I should be able to call that myself a therapist. Mm-hmm. But he needs to start paying me. I feel like there you, well, they, well, we need you need yeah. to be working on yourself when you're in this field. Um, but I lost my train. What, I, what was I saying? He's like every good therapist should have a therapist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have this brain fog left over from COVID. It's not fun. I understand that one mm-hmm. completely. But now I know, uh, and I, I know that what he deal with on a day to day basis, just me being the person that he can come to. Invent. Mm-hmm. I, I allow it to happen, even though it's not getting paid. I'm not getting paid mm-hmm. for it. Well, that's friendship. You're exactly. being friends, you know. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And he, because he been there for me when, before I met you, and mm-hmm. like when I had some 
dark moments. Uh, didn't know how I was gonna make it through. Didn't need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's the type of relationship me and have, and mm-hmm. I, I cherish it, and I'm thankful for it. So mm-hmm. anytime he need to call me, if he just needs the vent, yeah. But there, most of my friends now are in relationships. They say, oh, when you gonna get in a relationship? I say, uh, uh-uh, I ain't, I ain't mostly, I ain't mostly available at the moment yet. I got a lot of stuff going for myself and mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. that if I had gotten a relationship. It's gonna throw me all off the track. So mm-hmm. I am mature enough to say this stuff now. Just think though, you work through all your stuff and then yeah. your next relationship, imagine how good it's gonna be. Of course. If you pay attention to the red flags. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure mm-hmm. I go next relationship, if I see her start doing all this extra stuff, she's going mm-hmm. to therapy with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I'm like, she got some underlying stuff that she need to work on. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. But uh Doc, let's give some closing remarks on therapy. Before we close this thing out, what is something that you want these people to take away from this episode as far as with therapy? Um, Other than go get therapy. <laughs> well, everybody everybody can benefit from therapy no matter what. And it's really about taking the time to cultivate the relationship so you feel comfortable yeah. in, in therapy. And... Um, and to not be afraid to deal with those things that are really hurtful because, like I said, we find ways to mask it and to kind of get through life. But are we really living? Like, mm-hmm. have we really reached our full potential, you know? And, our, and, and so, um, and like I, I said earlier, like our body keeps score. And so you may think you're stuffing your trauma, but more than likely you're not. You're you're spewing it on other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it is affecting everybody around you, um, just like their trauma is affecting those around them. And um, you're feeling it anyway. Like it like trauma is like when you experience it and you don't fully process it, it's always running in the background. Yeah. It's like you ever sit around and you have TV running in the background and have background noise? Yeah. Right, you kind of know it's there, but you're tuning it out. But it's comfortable because it's there because you're used to it. Yeah. And that's the same thing with with trauma, not dealing with your mental health. Is it's it's always there in the back of your mind, ready to respond when you probably least want it to respond. Yeah. And so, if you just take the time and you do it, and you have so much more control than what people think they have. We're always trying to control life, but we're controlling all the things that we don't have control of we don't try to control the things we can actually really control (laughs) which technically is just what comes out of our mouth that's about it we can't control anything else we can't control other people you know we can't fix other people exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) and so and it's not you know like you don't have to be in therapy for the rest of your life but it just gives you like we talked about in the beginning this new perspective to where you know, if you stay in your same circle and you're just telling your girlfriends or your boy, your friends why you're upset and why you're dealing with this, their capacity is the same as yours. You're not getting new information. You need to have that added context, that new information to be able to see things differently. And that, to me, is why therapy is so important. It just gives you a different perspective. And it, and it gives you an object. An, is it objective or yeah. unobjective? I think objective. Objective. Yeah. So when you're trying to share something with a family member, they see you differently than what a therapist does. Yeah. You know, and therapists for the most part are very non-judgmental. It's, you know, that's something that we have to be really careful of is not to judge. Yeah. 
Because I don't want to be judged. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's one. Oh. So we're not going to judge if yeah. you come into therapy. I won't anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the best way you can actually put anything. And mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful for actually finding a therapist that I can connect with and that's helped me through a lot of trauma that I didn't even know was was there and let mm-hmm. me bring stuff to light so I can acknowledge it and figure things out mm-hmm. for together because mm-hmm. I ain't safe by myself because Loki I'm not doing it by myself but you you figure you know. out a lot on your own yeah again that's why you know that's when therapy is the most successful is when that person is really like I am really ready to be different I'm not blaming everybody else I'm I'm owning my stuff and when you can get to that point where you're ready to own your stuff, you're golden and you're going to heal and you're going to move beyond it. And you're going to have a, a positive impact on yourself and those around you. Okay. We can't, if you stay in that victim mentality, you don't grow. You know, we grow by owning our stuff. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Oh, it's not. So y'all heard that here first. Y'all need to grow. In order to grow, you got to own your stuff. Mm-hmm. Ladies, gentlemen, kids. Adults, <laughs> we it all is part of going moving forward. Mm-hmm. But for my closing remarks, like I always know, I say dream big dreams because small dreams have a little magic. And how big we dream if you know you couldn't fail. So I want to thank my my this is my therapist. I want to thank her for coming on. And uh, if y'all need to get in contact with her or her her office, we'll put the information on the video and. I just want to say thank you again for coming. I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. Thanks for and trusting me to be here and of, trusting me with. Of course. With I, I trust you more than I trust myself most of the time. <laughs> so, thank <laughs> you. I just want to say thank you again. Uh, we love y'all. Peace, love, and happiness. I know that I'm different. Self motivated, self disciplined. Yeah. I learned from my experience. I just want someone to take me serious Real questions that I ask How long will this solo trip last? I'm content with being alone in the past But it's changing and it's something I can't grasp Turn off my phone, I'm in my zone So now I'm acting different I'm to myself, I'm in my head Mapping out this life I'm living Shadow work on myself I done already seen hell Can't fit in so I rebel But I don't miss a beat I don't miss a beat